Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Kyle here. That you know, I got so and so in stereo podcast is back. Episode forty-seven is upon us. Got Tom and Ed with me, and guys, we've been doing these podcasts every week. We're actually on schedule for once. I like it. Our schedules have been matching up. <laughs> it's crazy. And before we begin. I got to give a shout out to Ed, man. I like your new haircut. You modeled yourself after Lil Yachty with the with the br- the beads and the braids. I like it, Ed. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what haircut you saw, but I don't have the freaking Twizzlers with the little barrettes tied around the side of my head. I got a grown man cut, player. Oh man, <laughs> sharp fade with the bezel blade. Shout out to Nas. I keep that joint crispy. Woo! Jeez. Calm down, guys. Let's uh, let's get let's put our thinking caps on. Um, Ed, you're gonna have to hide the little yachty hair because we got to put our thinking caps on because. <laughs> God, y'all are starting pretty early today. We're two minutes in the podcast and my blood pressure's up. We've been talking about TLC for the last couple of podcasts. New album, Apologies by Tom. New single, which we announced last week with Snoop Dogg, which is coming out fairly soon, and now. TLC wants us to name their new album, which I saw some pretty funny uh, comments going around Twitter, but your thoughts on that? Well, the, the one comment that stood out to me was, uh, man, they're making us do everything. Now they want us to name their album for them? <laughs> Good lord, that was like, come record TLC's vocals. Yeah, uh, I guess it's kind of cool. I just don't know what they're going to come up with from this. Why can't they think of something on their own? I don't understand well i mean jokes aside this whole project has kind of been fan driven so i think it's a cute little thing to keep going but at some point can i please hear the snoop single Jeez. <laughs> next thing is like design our album cover like all right but i want to hear some music dog uh, yeah. some some other tweets that i saw for that was uh one person named the album title just give me my money back <laughs> so <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Damn, vicious. Yep, but uh, no, I'll apo- joke. At, le- uh, at, at least there's no apology needed from me this week, right? Not yet, anyway. Not oh, yet, boy. but we're just five <laughs> minutes in. Okay. All jokes aside, though, we got a couple of new releases that uh, that came out recently. Two surprise um, projects, Tom. What are they? Mac Wilds After Hours and Adrian Marcel's debut. Uh, GMFU. Uh, Ed, you reviewed the Mac Wilds project for the site. What did you think of it? I sure did. Check out, you know, I got soul.com to see what your boy had to say about that. But just kind of a short synopsis of it. Um, the album, the actual kind of response across social media was pretty mixed. I know a lot of fans who are, and especially us, we are big fans of his throwback 90s sound. And that album isn't like that at all. This album is kind of the mainstream sound that you're used to, the atmospheric beats, the sort of singing slash rapping over some of the um, instrumentation. So it's okay if that's what you like. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. But the my problem with the project is it just doesn't have a good selection of singles. Well, not necessarily singles, but album cuts that are strong you've got a couple here and there that are somewhat memorable but then it's just like a whole lot of yeah it's okay yeah, it's okay 
eh, it's okay. And spread across a project that's probably like 12 tracks long, that means it's not that memorable. So it was a decent album. I did think it was better than his debut album. So it was successful on that end, but not as strong as some of the singles that we've seen over the past couple of years. So a mild disappointment in that end, but by no means a bad album. You know, it was something interesting, and Kyle made me realize, I didn't even think about it, but Salam Remy didn't even work on this album with Mac. You know, Salam was one who signed him originally to record music, and, uh, and maybe that had something to do with the sound, because, uh, you know, he brought that throwback kind of hip-hop-y sound to the last album, and then this one, he wasn't there at all for it, so that was interesting to me. That was very noticeable. Salam is one of my favorite producers, and I love to hear him layer his kind of hip-hop theme tracks over R&B vocals. Like, I think it works very, very well. So I kept waiting for that Salam-type track, and it never came. It was just more of the atmospheric, smoky, kind of laid-back beats. And again, he did a decent job over them, but it's nothing we haven't heard before, and we know he can go a little harder than that. So, like I said, just an okay album. Mild disappointment, but not a failure. It's funny. Now, Kyle... It's funny. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's funny because Mac has had a top 10 record on our countdown for the last two years. You know, two years ago it was Love in the 90s, and then last year it was Camouflage. And when I was listening to this album, I got to the song where uh, he samples Stingy by Genuine. I'm not sure if you guys remember that. But I was like, man, this is it. This is the top 10 record right here. And then the beat slowed down, and I started hearing trap drums. I'm like, all right, never mind. On to the next one. That's exactly what happened to me, and I wish I had my notes in front of me because I wrote in my notes almost exactly what you said. Like, I heard it, and I was like, oh, here we go. It's what we've been waiting for, and it just didn't happen. It just slowed all the way down, and you, like you said, it hit those familiar drum patterns that we've heard a thousand times in the past two years. And again, it's a song that... A lot of people might be a fan of, but it didn't hit that next gear that I was really expecting. And that's really where the album just didn't do it for me. I want to ask you, Kyle, why are these two artists releasing these quote-unquote surprise type of albums like this? I, I didn't quite get why they would do that. Well, I think with Mac, if you've seen some of his recent interviews, he had kind of hinted on music coming. Um, and it's been a while for him, and... I don't know. I don't know what the behind the scenes are with him and Salam. I believe he's still signed to Salam from the impression that I got on uh, on Salam's Instagram. But the other project, Adrian Marcel, that surprised me. Tom, you and I and I have been following him since the beginning. And it's like his record label at the time kept trying to push him in different directions to see what would stick. And it didn't seem like anything was sticking. And then all of a sudden, here's his debut album, which I believe is released independently. So... I don't know, but it's cool to see Adrian Marcel. Um, and, you know, I know we're still talking about Mac, but it was kind of cool to see Adrian Marcel resurfaced. And I believe he's actually selling his albums, like physical copies of his albums, and he's signing each one for his fans the traditional way. Yeah. So that was kind of neat. Right. Well, uh, oh, yeah, I could have sworn Adrian has been out like 20 <laughs> years at this point. And when we realized this was his debut, I was like, really? Dude's got like 18 mixtapes. But it's just weird that this is his official debut and it kind of poof came out of nowhere. Right. Tom, did you get a chance to listen to the album? Yeah, I, I previewed it briefly. Um, 
I didn't really get a good listen. It's kind of along the lines of some of what his mixtapes were. Maybe some of the sound was just a little a little trendier. I felt like some of his mixtapes, at least the music kind of paid homage to some of the 90s and the Raphael Sadiq vibe, who he was um, yeah. the protege of. But this, this album, I, I think he kind of stepped more towards a trendier sound, which probably he felt was more of a necessity at this point in his career. So um, I'm going to take a good listen. Ed, I'm curious to see what you think when you hear it, too. Yeah, I hope to get on that one maybe as soon as this podcast is over and next week we can chat about it a little bit more in detail. But he's someone we've had our eye on for a long time, and I was a big fan of a lot of his earlier mixtapes. So to hear that he's kind of doing a trendier thing, kind of like Mac Wilds, I'm like, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, guys, there's one thing for certain, and not to be negative about it, but just to give you some numbers from recent releases, Kevin Ross first week sold about 3,000. Uh, La Portia Renee first mm. week sold about I think four thousand, four to five thousand, and Leela James first week sold about six thousand. So hopefully Mac Wilds and Adrian Marcel do a little better, but guys, it's not looking pretty. Man, I thought Leela would do a little better than that. Jeez. Yeah, I'd like to actually start including, if we can, the streaming numbers. Is that available anywhere for where we can just kind of like a, a culmination of all the streaming sites? That'd be interesting to see. On the charts, what it does is it gives you the peer sales numbers, and it also has the peer sales plus streaming numbers. And what I've noticed is um, for the majority of the of the numbers for R&B artists, most of them are from peer sales. The streaming thing isn't really relevant in, in R&B. Even the younger generation of artists? Yeah, even Trey. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. And you know what? I actually read an article on that, too, um, about Chris Brown, who every single he puts out, it tops urban and rhythmic. But if you look at his streaming numbers, they're not on par with, let's say, a Drake or a, I don't know, a Kendrick Lamar. And I'm not saying they're on the same caliber, caliber but Chris Brown is the biggest R&B artist. And his streaming numbers are pretty bad for those standards. So it's just a mm. different time we're in right now. Time to get into my uh, into my edition of the current events here. Um, yep. Do your thing, player. Ed, first of all, I want to congratulate you and your wife. You just celebrated another anniversary. Well, thank you, player. Yes, 11 years. We are old as dirt. <laughs> it, it, you know, it had me thinking back to the your old nickname that you told us you used to go by, Mr. Steal Your Girl. <laughs> player that was back in the that was in the late 90s we have moved on wow well 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 i had a point actually about that no because mac wild was talking about that on one of his songs and you mentioned it in your in your uh review of the album so oh yeah it got me thinking you have this love letter section on your site ed what is it right. about stealing someone's girl that's even in any bit or form classy or even the thing to do like why is that cool i don't get it the- Player, it's all about ego. That's all it is. And when it comes down to especially look at the Chris Browns and the Trey songs, it's all ego. To say that you're going around snatching up people women is to the height of manhood. And when society dictates manhood by how many girls you can pull, 
If you're stealing girls, then that means you're more of a man than the next dude that has one girl. So, society is screwed up, if you couldn't tell. Yep. I'm at... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, imagine... Imagine we're married, me and Ed. Kyle is still living the bachelor lifestyle. So, but imagine the type of streets. women that are willing to be pulled by... Leave a relationship... And just get pulled by a famous artist. That's that's a great woman right there, I'd have to say. Well, uh, I'm not going to blow up anybody, but I actually know some women who fit oh, that description. <laughs> I'm not even kidding, player. I know some. And I'm not going to say which artist they got pulled by because you're going to be like, really? You <laughs> left that for like some D-list rapper? But don't let me, um, not trying to dry snitch on any of my readers out there. But my wow. point is, unfortunately, when it's all about ego and it's about how many girls you can pull and then when some women are attracted to, well, they can brag about being pulled by someone who was on the radio one time in 1991. I guess that's all it takes for them. Sheesh. Wow. Well, just be glad, Tom. I am glad to be glad that we got out of the game before the social media era. Poor Kyle. Yeah. I don't know what you're going to do, player. <laughs> going to be sliding in some DMs tonight. Oh, I am oh, so boy. sorry. Don't get screenshotted. Because then oh. I'll be writing our love letters about you. Oh, Damn. boy. Damn. Now, on to the next topic. So, Kyle, you brought this to my attention. I guess Tyrese apparently called out Usher for, for, for making grown music when he was younger and now making younger music when he's grown so how did that whole thing go um tyrese did an interview with sway um and it's funny because you just talked about this whole love letter thing tyrese you know he got married recently and he's he's on his Mm -hmm. uh, whole mantra about grown man season and being grown and i think that i mean (laughs) hey that's what tyrese does right but uh <laughs> he uh, he sparked up the conversation about how Shame was number one for 16 weeks and the Black Rose album was number one on the Billboard charts. And the one thing he pointed out was that that album and that song had nothing to do with what was going on at radio, which is true. But then, no, he, it's right. then he randomly name-dropped Usher. Um, he did say that he wasn't trying to diss Usher or whatever, but... He did point out the fact that Usher made No Limit, which is geared towards 17-year-olds. And Tyrese doesn't understand why Usher is doing that. And essentially, he just said that Confessions was more of a reflection of Usher's you know, life at the time, as opposed to No Limit, which has nothing to do with Usher. Because, let's face it, Usher is a thirty, late 30-year-old guy who's married now, and he shouldn't be singing songs like No Limit. But... <laughs> that was that was sort of the point, but that got me to thinking, Tom. Like, it's not Usher that's just doing that. If you even look at some of our favorite '90s artists, their later albums or more recent albums, they're a lot younger too. I feel like that's your whole generation, honestly. At this point, realistically, nope. I mean, I don't, I, I can't say '90s artists are doing that though. I mean, besides like Usher and maybe like from my generation, like who I'm trying to think, Brandy. But you're not having like. Yeah, I mean, like, celebrities, maybe, but you're not seeing, like, Brian McKnight and, like, Eric Benet and, like, Music Soul Child really going that route, though, you know? Didn't uh, Donnell Jones have a song with David Banner? 
Yeah, but well, that song what... wasn't that song <laughs> wasn't in the same vein that we're saying. But here's the thing, player. Because let me break it down for you. First of all, I'm a, Tyrese is out here. He's suddenly Cliff Huxtable. He's been married two weeks, <laughs> and now he's out here giving people marriage marriage advice. Player, look, I remember your raggedy Instagram statuses about what women should be cooking and what women should be doing and this and that. So calm down and holler at us brothers that's been married a decade so we can tell you the real. Second of all, to attack Usher is, and to bring up those numbers for that Black Rose album. Listen, I love Black Rose, but uh, Tyree, sit down. I understand the point he's trying to make. And some, in some ways, it's a little unfair. But I do understand the frustration that he has because Lord knows if you listen to this podcast, you know what we think about that Hard to Love album from Usher. But Usher and Mariah and a lot of artists from that generation, unfortunately, even though they have the legendary status, they're still trying to get those numbers to what they were in 2090 or whatever. So in order to do that... They're kind of catering to younger audiences, and that's why their music is getting younger as they're getting older, because they're trying to get those numbers back up to when they were super into the public eye. And I don't agree with that, but I see the mentality for doing it. I see exactly why Usher made that Hard to Love album, and it's certainly hard to love, and I can also see why it did flopped. But... For Tyrese attacking that way, uh, it's a little grandstanding there. Although I, I, I'd see where he's frustrated because I'm frustrated too. But I don't know, a little self righteous there from Tyrese. Not that that should be any surprise. Kick, kick him while Does he's anyone down. Be- believe- Does anyone believe that if if Tyrese really wanted to know why Usher made that song, he couldn't have just called him himself and, and found out instead of calling him out on the radio? Because it's Tyrese. Wasn't this dude like yelling at Genuine on Instagram like two weeks ago? Like he don't <laughs> we know he got G's number. Come on. Oh, man. Well, on some positive note, like I've mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, we're talking about grown man season. And then all of a sudden, right after that, Tyrese announces he's working on a hip hop album. So <laughs> <laughs> gotta love it. Yeah, but he's got these legion of rabid fans that will live on his every word though it seems like you ever read his they comments they definitely he definitely has a fan base and i cannot hate on that and i'm a tyrese fan except when he opens his mouth for interviews we know if it's mouth <laughs> to sing we cool but he has a great fan base and they're right for him and he's gonna come out with black tie or whatever and y'all will like it and then you'll get mad when i say that he can't rap but We'll leave that for another podcast. Six months down the line when it drops. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tom, I've got some uh, exciting news for you as well. Uh-oh. So, Justin Timberlake, uh, we've mentioned a couple of podcasts ago that he's in the studio right now putting out a new album, which I believe is coming out in the coming months. He's been in the studio with the Neptunes as well as Timbaland and Danger. So that should be good. But we have your other boy, Sam Smith. He's in the studio with Timbaland oh, as well. No. That's oh, like the weirdest. No. Co- Please. Yeah, that's, that is that is a very bizarre and odd combination. But who knows what comes out of that? That's a, that see, and I know I know how Tom feels about Sam Smith. He's okay <laughs> to me, but that is such a weird combo that I actually want to hear what comes of that. That could be interesting. I mean, it could be a disaster, but it could be interesting. 
There are so many other artists I'd love to hear with Timbaland besides Sam Smith. <laughs> He's talented, though. Man, speaking, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of which, how come we never got an, an, an album from that guy from Empire? Which guy from Empire? Oh, um, Jamal? The singer on there. The, yeah, no, the, I'm the blanking sing- on his name. Journey's brother. Um, Jussie, is that Jussie, his name? yeah. How yes. come he never made I, an album? It's probably on his way. I mean, he is, has been pretty busy, but it would not shock me if he had an album on the way. I just feel like the right time for the album would have been like around the first season, like right after it ended. And now I think they're in like the third season or something. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that that's probably would have been the height of it. But maybe he's just a little too tied up with acting right now to get to it. And maybe music will be later on. I'm very surprised we haven't gotten one. Do people still yeah. watch Empire? I was Sadly, thinking of that same I am thing. one of those. I still watch it, players, and it is a disaster. I have oh, this thing man. where I'm a completionist. It must be the reviewer in me. Like, no matter how bad it is, I have to finish it to the end. And Empire is awful, but I'm still watching it. I feel like, the, to sum up that show, they just do like some outrageous stuff to keep you hooked, and that's what constantly keeps you hooked because you never know what's coming next. It's just so crazy. That's exactly it. Every week is like. One episode should be four episodes because so much crazy stuff happens in one episode that it makes no sense. People just <laughs> randomly getting shot and dying and people getting robbed and Cookie cussing somebody out and people getting stabbed and somebody's got a secret baby. And this is all in the first 30 minutes. Every week. Damn, this sounds like Trapped in the Closet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh don't, please don't bring that back. Which, by the way, is Trapped in the Closet a R&B classic? Oh my goodness. I think this is a fair question. Wow. I think that you need to um, put down the nose candy if you were talking about Trapped in the Closet being like, oh my gosh. I will (laughs) say the the first one, the first song or edition or whatever, that was very well done and very imaginative, and I like that. But everything after chapter one, needs to go away and be burned forever. Damn. Um, <laughs> so some other news for you guys before we get into Tom's main discussion. Uh, first of all, we all love Jay-Z here. Well, bad news, guys. You're either going to have to stop listening to Jay-Z or you're going to have to purchase Tidal because Jay-Z's taken all of his music off Apple Music and Spotify. And see, I I mean, think, I'm surprised it took this long for it to happen. His music is right. already off of YouTube because I've tried to do some stuff for my site and pull up some videos and like 90% of his stuff is like not there. I'm not shocked that it took to, it took this long, but see, y'all laugh at old man Ed and his stack of CDs. At least I can still listen to Reasonable Doubt when I want to. I feel like old heads like me and Ed, like at least have either the CD or the MP3 by now, if we really want to hear right. a Jay-Z song. I'm just saying. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, you streaming, so. guys. Sorry. So, Tom, before we get into your main topic, can I just say one thing? I want to say rest in peace Go for it. to The Undertaker, who officially retired from wrestling after an illustrious career. And, Tom, it got me to thinking, we've been talking about a lot of funerals recently, right? Yep. So, why don't you you introduce us to the uh, discussion for today? Today's discussion is R&B has died, 
We're celebrating and honoring its legacy. Jeez, damn. You probably wonder what the hell I'm talking about. Oh my well, God. we got this YouTube comment. Uh, the guy said, R&B is effing dying. <laughs> That's all it said. <laughs> I loved it. Kyle had the post on Instagram. It was so funny. But we did some research after that comment. And we figured out it actually is dying. And it actually just passed away recently. So we're here today. Uh, we're gathered here today to celebrate the passing of R&B. Uh, we've got some esteemed guests joining us today for this uh, for this ceremony. Uh, thank you all for being here. I just saw T Pain walk in the door. He's taking a seat in the front row. Oh, the dream is coming in right behind him. <laughs> guys, guys, you don't laugh at a funeral, okay? Oh man, I I just got word that Stevie Wonder was turned away at the door. They didn't recognize him, so he's not allowed. <laughs> Damn, he couldn't see the door anyway. Anyway. Ja Rule and 50 Cent are walking in together as well, taking a seat on the side, followed by Ray J and Future. They're all, they're all showing up for this commemoration. Tyrese did his best to single-handedly save the genre, but unfortunately, it just wasn't enough, guys. His Twitter and fingers were on fire. He couldn't make it happen. You know, I did a little research. R&B started in the 1940s. I don't think any of us were around for that, but it lasted a good almost 80 years. That's pretty good. Uh, disco only lasted, what, like 10 years? Yeah. About so, that. <laughs> so <laughs> we've, had some, we've had some good, uh, good subgenres of R&B. New Jack Swing, which some people would say is still living on in Europe. Shout out to Soul uh, Child. <laughs> <laughs> um, and some others along the way. Uh, the uh, the the trap R and B era really was what it was the final dagger to the genre I'd say, but uh, yeah we're here to give it a nice send off and uh, unfortunately it's gone. Does anyone have anything to add? Let me crash this funeral like <laughs> Dwayne Wade did Whitney's <laughs> wedding back in a different world. And see, Kyle, this is the part where uh, on wrestling, when the gong hits and Undertaker sits up out of the casket. <laughs> Let oh. me be the gong right quick. Because, players, if you are telling me that R&B is dead, this must be your first day listening to it. You know I got Soul and Stereo podcast. Because if you've been around here longer than two seconds, you know that R&B is alive and well. And I don't know Mr. YouTube Man, but... I found that when people say R&B is dead, most of the time what they really mean is the R&B I liked is dead. And if you like 90s R&B, for example, yeah, it's dead because it's 2017, player. It's not the 90s. And this is coming from someone, as you know, who still lives in the 90s because if it was up to me, we'd still be rocking the 90s gear with the oversized Tims and the jean suits on. But... My point is, you cannot tell me R&B is dead unless you have never heard Tamia's last album or Jasmine Sullivan's last album or those albums Marsha put out or, man, just some, uh, I, I hate to give them props, but I have to. Tyrese's Black Rose, Eric Benet's Solange album from last year, Ro James. My girl Janelle Monet has put out two of the most adventurous R&B albums I have ever heard in the past 10 years. So, even though we have the ushers among us who disappoint us every time, 
And unfortunately, that list of legends keeps growing who disappoint us. And then you got Bryson Tiller, the guy who probably poisoned R&B and put it on his deathbed and still showed up to his funeral. Thanks, dude. <laughs> and the Rihanna's of the world who get, keep saying it's R&B and ain't never been R&B in her life. If you say R&B is dead, player, need to, that's a personal problem. Check your playlist because over here... There are plenty of artists that we mentioned. We just mentioned Kevin Ross and Leela James and all these great artists who are putting out great material and are getting like 3,000 in first week sales. R&B ain't dead because of them. R&B might be dead because y'all aren't purchasing it. So before you go to the funeral, make sure you're not the ones that's putting bullets into the corpse. That's all I'm saying. Damn. Well, Ed... I, I get what you're saying, and I love what you're saying, and I wish I could defend it, but I was on my way to the R&B funeral as well, blasting the new Amarion song, Distance, which just kind of sounds like jungle music. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so, R&B might be dead, guys. Well, let me chime in, actually, for a second. Ed, I totally disagree with you. 100%. <laughs> What's new? And here's why. Here's why. All Please these tell me show- why. Okay. Really, the final straw was what Kyle once told me about, how everyone is influenced by hip-hop now. So, it's like the next generation is going to be influenced by this generation, and so forth. So, who's ever going to be influenced again by traditional R&B? It's going to be no one left to do that. So, we're going to have these... We're going to be holding on to our Tyrese's and our Joe's and our Eric Benet's when they're in their 70s. And that's going to be our last hope for traditional R&B. Who else is going to make it? No, but see, you got to look back at the bigger picture, player, because I can tell you from experience in 1992 when Jodeci and Mary J came on the scene with their hip-hop influenced R&B that people were trying to put the R&B corpse in the ground then in 92. And by 94 and 95, R&B was probably as high as it had ever been. The difference is, because I see what you're saying, the difference between then and now is that back then the genre was growing and there were still talented artists artists incorporating different genres but still staying to the root of R&B. What's happening now is people are taking hip-hop influences and just making hip-hop and sprinkling R&B over top of it instead of standing with the R&B background, well, the R&B foundation. And then influencing that with hip-hop. So it kind of flipped. That's the problem. It can be fixed if we have artists who are talented enough to do that. And they are. Because first person that comes to mind who does that is Ro James and DJ Camper. Those are a, That's a potent combination who do that. We talked about um, Remy earlier. Salam Remy and Mac Wiles. When he's not trying to sound like Drake. That's another artist who is doing it the right way. But when you got these Bryson Tillers up here half rapping on stuff over beats that sound like I made them, that's not going to be what keeps R&B afloat. So R&B's always been influenced by hip-hop, going way, way back. So it can still thrive if you do it correctly. These youngins ain't doing it correctly. Well, while you guys are uh, over here complaining about R&B... I'll probably be at the beach wearing a sombrero, drinking a tequila, listening to that new Drake song, Passion Fruit. I'm just saying. Oh, <laughs> God. I hope you get God. 
just pulled under the water and stung by 15 jellyfish. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I still... First of all, Ro James is like 30, just so you know. It's not like he's a young new cat who's coming out of nowhere. Like, there's no young people who even know how to play an instrument anymore, who know how to properly sing anymore. Like, it's just not happening, man. Of course they do. They just aren't getting the shine. The difference is radio... I really contend that the current radio format... Well, two things. The current radio format is just stuck on one thing. They know what's hot. Trap is hot. So everything has to sound like trap. Or we're not going to play you. Number two thing that's really hurting it is... I think the internet culture has a big problem with that. Because pretty much anybody can make something that sounds like what's hot. Without any type of really training. So anybody can put anything out there... Get a bunch of stands to blow up their feed, and that way these, a lot of these are these um, labels are signing people based off of the audience they've already created. So you don't really have to be talented; you just have to be popular. That's why you get all these people put on with Uzi Vert and them. Do you realize something though? If Prince came out today, and if Prince came out as a new artist, they would have laughed that guy and shamed that guy away from even becoming an artist. Same thing. They would have made fun of Stevie Wonder as a young kid, but oh, this guy can't even see. What does he know? Michael exactly Jackson. Right. They, they would have, they, so none of these, none of these all-time greats would have even made it if they came into this generation. Right. How so sad imagine is that? the talent that's out there. Like there are people, and I'm not saying they can, they are as great as Stevie Wonder, but there are the talented artists out there who aren't getting the shine. And it doesn't mean they don't exist. It means that people are just ignoring them. But the thing that I have always said is. If R&B is dead to you, as a consumer, you are the one who can fix it. Don't be waiting on Mr. Radio DJ dude and Mr. Record Executive to fix it. They ain't fixing it. You fix it by supporting artists who are keeping R&B alive. So go out there and help out poor Leela James, who sold three <laughs> CDs. Poor, poor Leela Adrian James. Marcel got two tracks that he sold up at Target the other day out of his trunk. But oh. everybody's streaming the terrible Drake songs a thousand times. Like, that's not how this is going to get improved. Nope. You know what, though, guys? I can see two people turning this around. Number one is DJ oh. Khaled's son, who seems to have these Drake oh. vocals that we're waiting on. Oh, I didn't know that thing existed until, like, two weeks ago. I was like, who is this? It was like a baby wearing, like, one of the shirts that The Rock used to wear, like, them little Versace shirts. Yep. I was like, who is this thing? And they're like, oh, this is Khaled's baby. I'm saying, he that someone reproduced with that thing? <laughs> uh, the second person that's going to turn R&B around is me, apparently, because I'm looking at the urban charts. There's an artist by the name of Kyle featuring Little Yachty, the song called I Spy. I don't even know what this song is, but it was kind of cool oh, seeing my God, name on I there. know what it is. I know wow. it, and it is... I mean, the dude's name is just Kyle. So the song is just as lazy as his stage name. <laughs> Damn. You, you, know, you know what doesn't help the cause, though? So, man, I, a new song came out. I'm not going to name the artist because I don't want to bash him because he's someone we support heavily. And mm. Kyle listened to it, and he's like, man, this song is it's pretty bad. It was this guy's new single. I'm not going to say who, but my generation is just making music that's just so uninspiring. And then Kyle's generation... Yes. Once again, not ma- mentioning any names, but they don't know what to do. Some of them are making right. young trap music, 
after making grown music earlier in their career. Some of them are thinking about going to grown music, but they're not really trying to be old, so they don't know what to do. It's just not working. Yeah, you guys definitely need to go check out Brian McKnight's new song and Bobby V's. Anyway. Oh my god, <laughs> come on, man. See, I was going to behave and not say anything, but... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm rubbing off on Kyle, my fault. Yeah. Well, the Bobby V thing, I understand what he's trying to do. He's just kind of stuck in the middle. Like, I... I he doesn't want to go all the way. He Like, Peach Moon, when he made that grown EP... Like, I, we've heard from him that it wasn't received as well as it should have been, so he thinks he needs to go younger music. Brian McKnight is just making music on his own, in his own home studio, and, you know, going about it that way. You know, I didn't think the song was that bad. You you didn't like it, but that's what he's doing. But just the fe- there's no feeling in the music for me, and there used to be. It's just lacking to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Bobby V is. We talked about the issues with Trey Songs before, and Bobby V is of that generation that's kind of stuck in the middle right now. So that makes sense. Unfortunately, I can't make the same excuse for Brian McKnight and artists like him. Unfortunately, even though we just put Bobby, I mean Brian McKnight, in our Hall of Fame, and we'll get to that in a second. He has, for the past couple albums, has kind of had that problem as far as complete packages of work where his albums are just kind of like 16 different genres just melded together. So I think even legendary artists, so to speak, are having a little bit of trouble finding their voice in today's world because he's just kind of doing everything, and that doesn't make for a good album. It's not cohesive. Yep. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. Like I know with artists such as Bobby V, they're at least aware that they're in a weird place right now. It doesn't make the situation better, but at least they know. Yeah, that's true. Um, On to some positivity, because we've pretty much just killed off R&B right now. Let's look back (laughs) at one of our new features, which is the R&B Hall of Fame. So last week, we inducted Brian McKnight into the Hall of Fame. Deborah Cox, shoutouts to Canada, couldn't make the cut, but now we have two new artists that I'd like to introduce to you guys. Um, For those that forgot or aren't aware what we do each week we nominate two artists one being from the fans so whoever you guys are tweeting us about you know commenting on youtube about and then the second one is us as a collective each week we'll make a pick of our own so we'll go with the fan pick first now guys we got a lot of comments about this artist because last podcast we spoke you know about her extensive catalog the fact that she's still making great music today and actually she's going to be putting out a new album in the coming weeks. So for this Hall of Fame induction or nomination, I'd like to nominate Mary J. Blige's ex-boyfriend's group, Jodeci. Oh my god. (laughs) What the heck? Can I make my Um, case? Yes. Well, first of all, you have Devante, Dalvin, Casey, and JoJo. So we're also going to include Casey and JoJo into this conversation because they did do some great things on their own as well. But guys, I think this is a pretty straightforward yes for me, a definite yes. The impact that they had, um, they only really released three albums. I'm not even going to include their last one because it wasn't very good. But Oh, uh, man. Jeez. Um, I mean, of the three, I, I mean, he ain't wrong. <laughs> uh, of of the three, I would say I don't know 
if there are any classic, classic five-star albums from them, but the impact that they had on R&B when we look at some of the groups that came out later from the 112s, the Drew Hills and the Jagged Edge, they all came from that Jodeci tree as far as their image and even as far as the way that they were singing on songs, the subject matter. Um, and then you can't forget about Casey and JoJo as well. All My Life is like one of the biggest R&B songs of the 90s. And yeah, they're in for me. And lastly, of course, Devontae branched out and brought us Timbaland, Genuine, and Missy. So that was cool too. So they're in for me. Well, I think it's, I mean, this is an open shut case player. As I was talking about a little bit earlier um, in the conversation and something that's kind of overlooked today. They really changed the game for R&B. They really took the genre into a different direction when they landed in 91 because they mixed R&B and hip-hop in a way that was very fresh at the time because as much as people look back on New Jack Swing and really miss that era, listen, player, by 91, New Jack Swing was getting very old because everyone was doing the same thing. And here these guys are coming they took a little bit of New Jack Swing, took a little bit of that classic Motown sound, layered hip-hop over it, and it just was a game-changer. And from there, from Mary J. Blige to Art Kelly, later on Usher, and the Drew Hills, and the 112s, and the Jagged Edges, all of that kind of followed the vein that they started. I don't know if I would call any of their albums five stars. I have to go back and listen. But Forever My Lady is probably a classic. I can probably say that just from the influence that it had alone. So, without question, they are Hall of Famers. No question. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. The only thing I'll add is that um, I'm glad you bunched Casey and JoJo in here. I wouldn't, if you had picked them individually, Casey and JoJo, I wouldn't have had them as Hall of Famers. So, no. But definitely it's Joe to see. No, I don't think Casey and JoJo has. A, you know, I have to go back and listen, but I don't remember them having a good album. Ed? I don't re- I mean eh, I was not a big fan of the Casey and Jojo era so I'd have to go back and listen to it again all my life was played all of my life and I don't ever <laughs> want to hear that song again so yeah. although it was very successful it also got on my last nerve because it was just so ever present but as far as the albums and stuff I don't remember it being anything that special so no, not on their own, but as a collective, no question. All right. So for our pick, you know, Tom, you picked last week, and now it's my turn to pick. Um, so just based on some of the people that I've tried to induct into the Hall of Fame in recent times, we have, who was it, Tyrese, we had Drew Hill, and we had Trey Songs. You guys all gave them a no which was very disappointing. Stomped all over your picks. And upset me dearly. But guys, I think this one, (laughs) I think I I got one with this one. I think you guys are going to induct this person. Because when we look at the Hall of Fame, right, we look at hits, we look at records being broken, and we look at the impact. And this artist, guys, when we talk about hits, this artist has hits. When we talk about Records being broken, this person is in the Guinness Book of World Records for having the highest female debut ever. When we talk about impact, we talk about the collaborations of the 2000s. She's up there. 
Guys, I'm talking about the princess of R&B and hip-hop from the most talented record label, Murder Inc. I'm talking about Miss Ashanti. <laughs> I knew it was Kyle, coming. your life is such a disappointment. Who, by the oh who, by the way, Ed, I know Deborah Cox is your wife in another life. This is my wife in another life. Who, who also has the best Instagram page of all <laughs> Instagram users, if that will help my case for this nomination. Um, that does help your case. That Instagram is Hall of Fame. I will say that. But if we talking about music, Lord help Tom, please go before I have to well, drag out the casket that we put R&B in. I feel like we always talk about Tyrese's ego. I feel like the biggest ego I've ever seen from a female artist has to be Ashanti. I'm just, I'm just saying. If you follow her Instagram, man, that is all. <laughs> now, well, it's, an obvious, talked, it's an obvious no, I mean, for me. So, <laughs> what do we Obviously. Now, we have talked about my range of crushes, R&B crushes over the years, because we got Adina Howard, we got Deborah Cox, we got early 2000s Claudette Ortiz, and Ashanti was up in there at one point, too. But, Lord help me. Like... How many albums does she have now? Maybe five? Four or five? The only album that I would even put above three and a half stars was maybe The Declaration. And all those oh, she did... Man. Wait, wait, what? What about the debut? Even Come though on. she did... That too. That album is so uneven. Sorry to tell you. Sorry to give oh, you some, facts. Someone cut this guy's mic off. Come on. Because they, have that. you listened to that album? Good Lord. Like, it's got some good <laughs> singles. But other than Jeez. that, and we're not even going to talk about the vocals. And it's funny that we say this because I just wrote a piece on Soul and Stereo on Friday talking about how artists and a lot of fans don't give Ashanti the credit that she deserves. As far as an artist in the 2000s, she was one of the most visible ones. But when we look back at the totality of her career, uh, sorry, player. I love you, but... That output was not popping. Hold on, I got some actual commentary. So, think about it like this. <clears throat> was she one of the most successful of her gen generation? Yep. Yep. So there you go. Isn't that enough of a case to, to maybe put her in? Not if the album's all half-whack. So you're saying if she, if she was one of the most successful of her generation and the albums were whack, what does that say about the whole generation as a, as a whole? <laughs> Well, you can't measure success just by that alone because, unfortunately, people will buy anything. I think Drake <laughs> broke a whole bunch of records off of this last album. And what did I give that, like a three and a half? So I'm not just going by that. Sometimes the hype kind of goes a little bit higher than actually output is what I'm saying. And Ashanti has some songs. Like, she has four or five really good songs. But as far as four total five. albums... What the hell? Yes, <laughs> What is going on? What? Oh my goodness. Please, Kyle, Mr. Superfan, name some Ashanti songs. I actually like Ashanti quality. myself, to be honest. Oh, Tom. Uh, guys, I forgot you know to what, make your grilled chicken. I forgot to make one more point about Ashanti. I think that will solidify my case, you know, in terms of putting her in the Hall of Fame. She is the only artist, aside from the Beatles, to have three songs in the top 100 at one time 
It was Foolish, What's Love, and Always on Time. With the Beatles, who would make our Hall of Fame, even though they don't make R&B. <laughs> <laughs> Always on Time, Foolish, and some other random song are up there with the Beatles. The what do you mean some random song? Time. What's Love with Fat Joe was a huge single. Random that song. song was horrendous. Her, oh look, my God. Did you hear those vocals? Them joints were paper thin player. What's love? What is going on do? here? <laughs> Man. What's I actually. I, all right, hold on, hold on. I, I'm actually an Ashanti fan. I like her music. Ed, you're, you're a little off base here. I'm sorry, man. No, but, I love I love Ashanti. <laughs> I I like her as a person, and I love a few of her singles. But I ain't gonna front like she is Whitney Houston. Come on now. Here's here's what happened to me though. So she ha- she was off to a great start. She had three albums in her first three years, but then in the in the next what's been like thirteen years after that, she only put out two albums. So to me, she just wasn't consistent enough. But to me, the real nail in the coffin was when they pulled her off that Fabulous track, that single, and put Tamiya back on it in her rightful place. That was <sighs> embarrassing to me. Why did And see, we've talked about this before. Why did they pull her off of that? Because she That's, sounded a hot mess. I'm just there saying. There you go, right there. You guys are killing so, me. But can we at least acknowledge the fact that she was the blueprint for these R&B and hip-hop collaborations in the 2000s? Let's give her that. I don't know if I would say she was the blueprint. I think Murder Inc. did a they had a formula that they put together because between her, Ja Rule, um, what's the J Lo, I think they had a little formula going. But some y'all on a little bit of revisionist history here, player, because outside of Foolish and the Foolish remix and maybe Rock with You, I don't really know what I'm hearing if I'm hearing what y'all hear. Jeez. Who invited this guy into this podcast anyway? What is going on? Oh my goodness. Well, somebody, someone has to be the adult in the room. Good Lord. All right, let's <laughs> trying to put a shot in the Hall of Fame. I feel like we're close. All right, let's do a vote right now. He he <laughs> He's just cranky because he's just cranky because after the last podcast when we asked if if Keith Sweat was the sexiest man alive, the response was the answer was no. Ed's still cranky about that. I'm a little salty about that, but that's, the, that's neither here nor there, player. <laughs> All right. Let's Gee. have a quick yes or no, Ashanti Hall of Fame. Yes or no, guys? Ed? I, 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 go ahead, Ed. Do we even have to... Do I... Into the no. Tom? See for me, for me it was it's a no, but I think it's closer than he's giving it credit for. If she had been more consistent with releasing music over the past decade, then maybe I would have thought about it closer. She had a shot. I mean, she had she's got hits. Whether you think no, she, she can does. sing or not, Ed, she's got hits. No, she's, she's got, got hits. I will definitely so, agree with you. And as much shade as I'm throwing, I am a I really am an Ashanti fan. Really? It might not sound. What? Yes, all, I am. All five of her it's good not, songs. Yes, I, all five of those songs are on my iPod oh my and still God. rocking. This is out of control. Oh man! All right, well, Ed, you're Ed started uh, drinking early today. Ed, you're nominating next week, so just remember, whoever you nominate is going down. Oh, look at this hate! Anyway, <laughs> I need to nominate. 
I'll make I'll make sure I'll nominate Stevie Wonder or somebody so it's like the ship can't sink. Yep. Oh. Alright, well that uh that concludes our uh Hall of Fame discussion for this week. Congratulations to uh Jodeci for being included. And um I might have to sneak Ashanti into another Hall of Fame discussion down the line, just in case you guys forget. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but anyway, oh. uh, on to the food discussion now. I actually had, I, I was thinking about this for our food discussion because we've been struggling with it to come up with an idea. So I have something presented to you guys. Whenever you guys go to a okay. house party or a party, what is a one, what is, what's that one dish or food item that you should not bring because no one will like it? Mm. Or what's the, what's the food item that will be a guaranteed success? The last food item that always pops at the parties I go to is... I, I'm seeing a lot of buffalo chicken dip lately. Mm. And that <laughs> stuff is bang. <laughs> I feel like you can't go wrong with like some type of chips and salsa. Yeah, like like just, that's just a staple. Like if you just brought a plate of Steamed broccoli? I think that would be a disaster. <laughs> yep. You know what I think? <laughs> Clearly it's a hot party at the Leo house. My God. <laughs> you know what actually works better in theory than in reality? Veggie platters and fruit platters. No one touches those. Listen, and we have pretty gatherings up at um, Soul and Stereo Studios pretty regularly. And my wife always gets a veggie platter and a fruit platter because she's like, oh, you know, someone wants to be healthy, blah, blah, blah. And when we leave and we have to clean up and everybody's gone and I'm cleaning up, there's still that entire fruit tray <laughs> and veggie tray that's sitting there untouched. Yep. And then we put it in the refrigerator and it sits in the fridge like three weeks. That happens every single part. Nobody goes to a party and wants to eat like a rabbit. <laughs> I got two food questions for you guys, actually, real quick. Okay. Number one, is Taco Tuesdays a real thing? Oh, it's a thing down here. <laughs> I think it is, actually. Who? Yes. Who made that it up? It is Taco a legit Bell? thing. I don't know where it came from, to be honest. Oh, I thought that was their marketing plan or something. No, I don't think it's a Taco Bell thing, because... If it was, it seemed like it'd be a little more heavy-handed. But, no, I don't know where it is, but it is a legit thing. Okay, number two. If you're going to one of these dinner parties that Kyle talked about, and say you brought something, right? You brought your food or whatever, and then the host didn't put it out, so it went untouched, (laughs) right? Are you entitled to bring that food back with you? Yes. You are? Yep. (laughs) Or... Head? Yes. You are, but I'll put it like this. If I did that, I would probably leave it. Because if I bought it, it's not like I really want to take it back with me. But, I mean, you're entitled to take it back if you want. But it's really kind of weird to be like, hey, can I get that thing back? It just seems <laughs> weird, Okay, what if it's just like a bag yeah, of my chips? W- well, see. Are you really that my- hard up for some Lay's? <laughs> My my wife will not let me do it. She's like, if you're bringing something, that's like your gift to the house for, for the party. Yeah, that's you're what not I'm saying. To... <laughs> but I'm like, if they don't even make an effort to put it out, that's kind of messed up. Well, they probably forgot, player. Shout out to Marlene, because I'm glad there's some, a little bit of sense <laughs> in this house. While wow, this dude is eating chicken, listening to um, Ashanti's first album. Talking about oh, man. 
<laughs> Classic. But, yeah, it's kind of like your party tax. Like, you come and you drop off the food, and it's kind of their food. But I don't know next time Kyle comes over to give him his bag of legs back. Barbecue flavored. No, I mean, barbecue yeah. flavored, too. No, you're on the way out. You know, you're getting your coat. You're like, all right, no, I'll take my bag of Fritos back while I'm at it. <laughs> my God. That's no. I'll throw it in the driveway and be like, go get it. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, well. I tried. I tried. Man. All right, guys, I know we're uh, running out of time here, so Ed, why don't you fill us in on what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Well, as my boy Tom mentioned a little earlier, we've got a new edition of the Love Letters Up. Go check that out. I answered a couple more questions, and if you have some questions yourself, just hit me on the Twitters, because, Lord, I got a bunch of questions I still have left to get to. And we got a pretty big week coming up for... Rap, so I expect to have a review of the new Kendrick Lamar album by the time we have our next podcast. So keep an eye out on the site for that and any other new surprises that might come out because apparently these artists are just randomly releasing albums all over the place. <laughs> so who knows yeah. what's going to drop next week? Mm-hmm. And Tom, you know, I got sold into you know, I got soul.com. What's going on over there? Uh, we're trying to get a Mary J. Blige interview. We named the last podcast. Oh. Someone tell Mary J. Blige to hit us up. Well, she did not hit us up. But we're still going to try to get that interview somehow, some way. It might be a long shot. But it must happen. So we'll see. Yep. Uh, other than that, it's been slow, man. Not much happened last week in R&B. We had those two new releases out of nowhere. Um, yeah, I don't really have any interviews lined up or shows. So... What about you? Anything going on out there? Uh, not much, really, but I'm just quickly taking a look at our uh, YouTube comments for the last podcast, the one with Mary J. Blige. Ed, you really pissed off some fans there. <laughs> what did I do this time? Well, one, one fan said, um, yeah, you guys definitely need to interview Mary J. Blige, but leave the black guy out of it. <laughs> <laughs> the black guy. That was Thanks, funny. Trump. Actually, didn't they say the host could interview her, but the, leave the black guy out? And what about me? I'm not even mentioned. You're the guy. You're you're, you're going to be uh, fixing the camera. That's what you're doing. Okay. I get all, all the right. shine. Got it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, anywho, guys. So we're going to have to call it a podcast for this week. We'll be back next week to talk about some more things and induct some more people into the Hall of Fame. I'm actually curious to see what everyone's going to say about this. This, this travesty of not inducting Ashanti into the Hall of Fame. But we'll talk about that more oh, they're next. they're going to be mad at the black guy again. Kick the black guy off. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, we'll chat next week. This is Kyle, Ed, and Tom signing out. Peace. Peace, right. guys.